If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. We get back into it with our panel, Dan Moulton, John Carmichael, and Peter Tabbins. News in a dozen minutes or so, and uh, one story making the news is that the Toronto police are investigating an alleged group assault at St. Michael's College School at Bathurst and St. Clair. Apparently, uh, the allegation has it that a group uh, assaulted somebody and videotaped and circulated on social media the assault in a washroom about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Cops were called in. They're investigating, and uh, the school has issued the requisite uh, we're shocked and dismayed. It's a clear violation of our student code of conduct, and so on and so forth. We'll update that story, as I say, at the top of the hour. Buzz Hargrove, Ernie Eves, and John Turley, you were at After Six. Something similar along those lines, perhaps even more egregious, uh, I'm guessing it is, the attack on the young Jewish youth on uh, Sunday night at 8 o'clock, Bathurst and Lawrence neighborhood, by anywhere from 9 to 10 individuals, one of whom has already been uh, taken in by the cops. But these kids were punched and kicked because of the religious garb they were wearing. And uh, apparently that's become uh, rather problematic. You see more and more incidents of anti-Semitism. It's actually on the rise. And statistically, this has been borne out by, you know, the local authorities uh, across Canada, the United States as well. And I'm wondering uh, if we live in increasingly enlightened times, and diversity and tolerance and everything. Uh, why is this happening, John Carmichael? Uh, you know, I, I find it reprehensible that, that this type of thing is going on. And, and I've read a lot of articles on anti-Semitism. And yes, it is growing and it's becoming a, a more prevalent problem. And we've just come off the uh, horrific shooting in Pittsburgh uh, where, where those uh, that gunman just, you know, gunned down all of those uh, innocent uh, individuals in the... Um, in the uh, synagogue. Synagogue, thank you. I was mm-hmm. back there. I, you were getting there. I was getting there. It would have come eventually. Mm. Uh, but I, I find any type of bullying, um, you know, the whole school system worries me. I've, I've got uh, my grandchildren in, in various schools uh, in Toronto, public schools and, and whatnot, and I find it, uh, it worries me that uh, this type of attack of uh, bullying, whether it's anti-Semitic, whether it's uh, the St. Mike's story, I don't know the whole story on that yet, but I find anything along that that, uh, that line really problematic, and, and I hope the police do uh, find the perpetrators and throw the book at them, because regardless of the culture group in this case, whether it's Jewish, whether it's any other culture or ethnic group in this, in this country, we bring these people here to have a peaceful life, to, to thrive and prosper, and to, uh, to have to fear for their safety is absolutely unacceptable and uh well let me just let me just uh you know move it around because i've got a few other things but i'm curious because we all i think would uh basically buy into that principle this bullying has got to stop uh but it seems like it's increasing or if i'm using these isolated incidents but uh they seem rather egregious why would that happen after so much has been said and written and uh time spent you know resources as well in trying to deter bullying what's going on dan well, you know, I, I don't know. I'm not sure about the data that, that demonstrates there's been a, an increase in, 
in this kind of bullying or crime. I think we see it a bit more prevalently at the St. Michael's example because kids seem to be using their cell phones to record it and put it on the internet. And so we, we sort of see it and interact with it in a different way and it gets picked up by the media and talked about. I, I, do, I will say that you got to wonder about kids today that are seeing a, a American president uh, in Donald Trump behave the way he does on the on the global stage and on the public stage. You think that's a root cause? I, well, no, I don't think it's a root cause of, of, of what we're talking about here. I, I am saying that I, I do think it has an impact. Uh, this guy's a bully. He treats people poorly. He calls them names. He's mean to them. He tweets awful things about them. So what, is he demonizes certain culture? cultural is your, groups. Is that your argument? It's a coarsening well, of I'm our saying culture? That, I'm saying that it's certainly not helping. It's it's certainly well, a setting a bad this, example. But a lot of this and, and I, I, Trump. No, of course it does. I, I, I'm not blaming Donald Trump for childhood bullying. I think that would be insane. But what I'm saying is that this is pr- this is definitely setting a terrible example for kids today. Uh, if they're watching the nightly news and they're seeing Donald Trump bully people on the public stage, when is the last time you saw a public figure act that way? Well, I'm just not sure I'd make that connection, though. It's like uh, you veered off and you've taken this sidebar. Uh, no, I don't think you agree with me, and so that's why you'll well, say Well, it's that. not that I don't uh, agree that he's been uh, maybe responsible in part for the coarsening of the culture, but there, uh, it flies both ways, too. I think you've got, uh, and this is now going down a rabbit hole, uh, but there are irresponsible elements in the media as well. Social media. Social media has exacerbated and amplified everything, and that gets back to the point of kids yeah. wanting to post this stuff, and that's played into the bullying too. Look, uh, just in general, we seem to have a less civil society. Uh, I've only got a few moments here, and so I'll talk about this too. 89 murders now in the city of Toronto. And uh, we just registered earlier this morning or late last night, the 89th, the shooting up there at uh, Albion Road, I guess, in uh, Raxdale. Question, if 40%, according to the local superintendent of police, are committed in that quadrant of the city, what's the next log- logical step to addressing that, Peter Tabins? Because we know we can't card. Uh, Tavis has been dismantled. How would you go about it to help the people in the community who just want to live a peaceable life? Well, I'll look back at what Roy McMurtry had to say when he looked at this issue, and that's that you have right to here. invest in those communities. You have to provide jobs for people. You have to deal with racism for so people don't feel that they're futures are cut off. If you abandon an area, if you let people rot, if you make it clear to them they have no future, then you're going to get this kind of social conflict. So you have to make those investments. In the end, that's what we really need. If you look at the areas in Toronto, generally where we have more violence, it's generally where people's lives are very, very difficult, very, very desperate. So you're and saying- so report after report is really clear, John. If you don't deal with the social roots of that violence, you're going to get violence. And that's what has to happen. Does any of it involve proactive policing? I think policing is always going to be part of this solution, but it isn't enough. And it's interesting, I had a chance to talk to Bill Blair about this on the Danforth after the shooting in the summer, and he was very clear as well. Police are going to be part of the solution, but they're obviously not enough. And if you're not making the investment in improving things socially, if you're not uh, addressing inequity, if you're not addressing racism, you're going to get this kind of problem. And that's what's not been happening. And a failure to have it happen means that we're going to continue to see more shooting and more conflict. Would that include mental illness? Because it, apparently this Mr. Hussein's family came out with a report in the immediate aftermath, and they ascribed it to that. That's a really good point, and I'm glad you raised that as part of the reason that we've really been going after the Ford government over their cuts to mental health funding. I have constituents who come in who say, 
We have members of our family who are in real difficulty. We can't get them into programs. What do you mean uh, cuts to mental health? I thought he picked up with Patrick Brown's uh, cue of $1.9 billion to address mental health over five years. There was something like $500 million that was in the budget for this year. He's cut $300 million out of that. That doesn't make any sense. We have an urgent situation. It was demonstrated on the Danforth this summer. We have to address mental health. I've had other assaults in my writing from people who are mentally ill, and their families couldn't get the help. John, it has to be addressed. And for Ford to cut those services is totally irresponsible. So right, let, can here. we just go back to, oh, you want to get onto something else? No, no, you go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I, I, I agree on the investing in social services and, yeah. and providing jobs and doing some of the things that are necessary, but you also have to invest in the police and give them the tools to do their job, and you can't tie their hands behind their back and say, you guys go and do it with, with one arm out. And it, You've got to give them uh, the, the absolute investment in their skill set to go and be that other part of the equation. But what but I, I don't understand it's about one part of the equation. What I don't understand about that argument is what specifically beyond the carding issue are police limited by? What what tools well, and resources Kevin, don't Kevin's and, and why isn't it, why can't we repurpose that as a concept and let the police go do their job? Because when you actually talk to the communities involved, and I was at a meeting of the Somali community earlier this year, they felt like they were under a police state. And I'm not talking the kids who were involved in dangerous activities. I'm talking about the regular citizens who felt that they were treated with suspicion. In Toronto. Whenever they, yes, a in police Toronto. state. That's the I, way they I felt in their lives, that. in their community. I, really? But yeah. frankly, well, but Tapas, uh, Dan's got a good point here. I don't see Tapas as being a solution. I do see funding the police so that they're involved in the community. One of the things that was really great in my community back in the 90s was having the cops run evening basketball games yeah. in school gymnasiums. Yeah. Have an integration there. That's totally fine. In I my s- writing of Don Valley West in Thorncliffe Park, police were community policing. They were running yep. ball hockey, soccer, yeah. doing the whole nine yards. And, and I think that's built great. bridges. It and was I wonderful. agree with that. That is yeah. a good strategy. Yeah. But, but Tavis just makes people feel like they're Living in an occupied yeah. community. I think you have to you have to recognize, John, that you have a different experience, and myself included, all of us here, as white men living in this city. We have yeah. a different experience and interaction with the police service than you do if uh, if you're a person of color or a marginalized group. You have a different interaction, and police treat you differently. And so uh, I think we have to recognize our own biases there and say, yeah, the, there are programs and there are community-driven focuses for police. That but focus we can't on- sit back and watch. We've got no. to do something. We've no. got to repurpose all those different issues. And I think the police have to be given the freedom to do what they do under those guidelines. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm not sure that's a wholesale uh, a perception that the black community shares. There are other people, you know, within that community who feel uh, this is, you know, they're treated fairly. There's no bias. They don't have any kind of a filter through which they see, you know, uh, discriminatory lens being applied to them and so on and so forth. When I uh, talk to a lot of black people, that's what I hear. Well, you know you. what? As I sit in the catbird seat, I take calls from them, and they tell me the same thing, unless you're, you're telling me they're misleading me. No, I'm not saying individuals are misleading you, but I'm saying that I talk to an awful lot of people in the community as well, and, and their opinion is they get treated differently, and they don't like things like Tavis. They do like... They do like this kind of social investment you were talking about, Sean, where the police integrate with the community and build those relationships. Do you think that would deter the gangland stuff that's happening, particularly in the I think it's a countermeasure to 
gang leaders who are constantly trying to recruit and cultivate young people. All right. Well, you know, we can leave on that note. I've had uh, activists also on this program who are in the communities believe that's also uh, part of the antidote to the increase in violent crime. Appreciate it all. As always, a a very robust discussion. Dan Moulton, Peter Tabbins, John Carmichael, and topics worthy of discussion for Pizzaville. We'll do it again next Wednesday.